we're not impervious to the trials that just come with living in a fallen world. However, in Christ, we can be overcomers. Welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chapel, and I'm so thankful you're here to join in on today's conversation with pastor and author Paul Touches. Today we'll be talking about his brand new book, Anxiety, Knowing God's Peace, to explore how the gospel of Jesus Christ offers meaningful resources for the fight against crippling worries and fears. Paul addresses the spiritual and physical components of our anxiety, explains how anxiety can help us reorient our hearts towards God, and offers listeners biblically-based comforts and wisdom for fighting anxiety on the spiritual battlefield. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description, and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Paul Touches serves as senior pastor of Cornerstone Community Church in Mayfield Heights, Ohio. He is a member of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, a council board member of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, and the author of numerous books and articles. Hey there, Paul. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, it's uh, super to be on your podcast, Christine. Your brand new book is officially out into the world. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. It is entitled Anxiety, Knowing God's Peace, and it's part of PNR Publishing's 31-day devotional series. So of all the topics you could have chosen to write about, why did you pick this one? Will you tell us more about your own personal experience with anxiety and why ultimately you felt led to offer fellow anxious Christians a devotional on this topic? Well, I guess uh, to begin with, you could say I've been somewhat of a professional worrier my whole life, so <laughs> so that would be one good reason why I chose this topic. But actually, I, I was so thrilled when I found out that no one had been selected for this topic yet for two reasons, really. First, I, I love this new series of devotionals from PNR. And um, and when it, yeah. the series first was launched, I thought, oh, man, there needs to be one on, on anxiety. But, you know, it's probably already taken. But when I got in contact with the the series editor, lo and behold, he said, I, I would like you to write on that topic. So I was so excited about that because, like I said, I've been somewhat of a lifelong worrier, even when I was a child. But since becoming a Christian at the age of 19, the Lord has helped me and changed me so much. And really, I just wanted to share with other believers the kinds of truths that really have been key to the Lord overcoming so much anxiety in my own heart and life. That's really encouraging to hear just your own testimony a little bit about the ways that you have struggled with anxiety, just because I think as Christians, we can tend to think that, you know, being a Christian, especially if, you know, I became a Christian when I was 28. And so, you know, you, you come to Christ and then you think, I'm never going to have any of these problems anymore. <laughs> you know? And so then when they continue right. to be yeah, a problem, yeah. 
it's kind of a surprise. And then it can lead to all other kinds of yucky feelings like depression or anger or bitterness at God. Like, hey, I thought you were going to take care of this. And, you know, so it's it's neat that you were able to write from a perspective of someone who has been in the shoes of an anxious Christian and then just sharing how God has comforted you. Yeah. And, and not only, you know, a, a believer, but, you know, a pastor uh, for 27 years now. And so it's sometimes surprising to people when I admit that, you know, I still do struggle with anxiety, but it is a, I'm a work in progress by God's grace. Mm-hmm. And, and I've just seen so much progress in my own heart and life. And, um, you know, I've just been working through certain scriptures and in my own heart and life. And this book really is the fruit of that. I could definitely tell it was really encouraging to read. So thank you just for taking the time to work on it for the purposes of helping other people who are, you know, potentially struggling, just kind of work through what God's truth has to say about uh, how we can respond to our anxieties and worries. It's no secret that anxiety can be a complicated issue involving both the physical and spiritual matter of a person. There are those that will suggest that disordered anxiety is purely a physical issue And then there are those who remain firm that it is strictly a spiritual issue resulting from underlying sin. It's kind of a sensitive topic, to be honest, to talk about, but I think we need to have that discussion. I would love if you would talk about these differing perspectives and perhaps shine some light on some biblical wisdom that helps us to consider the issue more holistically. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question, Christine, because there is so much confusion among believers today concerning emotions and in what we might consider struggles in our mental life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that one of the things we need to recognize is that we are creatures who crave understanding. And so we want easy either or explanations. In other words, it's it's either bodily malfunction or it's sin in my heart. Uh, but so much of our life is both and you know, there, there are more than, there's more than one thing going on at the same time. And that's the, really the picture that the Bible paints when it comes to anxiety. You know, believers, I think, generally speaking, tend to be surprised at how honestly the scriptures do address our emotional struggles. I mean, the, this is just a part of human experience. They, uh, the scriptures shed light on the effect that anxiety has on our bodies and vice versa. But the scriptures also fuel the faith uh, and the working of God within us that produces the inner security and the peace, you know, that we crave. And you see some some of these examples in the scriptures. For example, in the Old Testament, you see the patriarchs. Uh, Many occasions in the book of Genesis, actually, where the patriarchs recognize the impact of emotions on the body. Uh, But we also see the opposite. Uh, We also see anxiety that is caused by physical suffering. Um, we see this in the life of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, but, but also in the life of Job. Uh, most, most of the listeners probably will be somewhat familiar uh, with the Old Testament uh, godly man named Job. At one point in his struggle, he admitted, he said, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. And that came, that statement from him, that confession from him comes after 
the most horrific suffering we can imagine, the immense loss and bodily pain that he was enduring. And so you see this connection, this this beautiful mystery in Scripture of the way that God has designed us as both body and soul. And there's interplay that goes on between the two that we don't always understand. At the end of the day, we end up worshiping God for the amazing way that he has created us. So rather than trying to always be able to find an either-or explanation that satisfies our human reason, it really comes down to worship faith, trusting God that we do understand some things, but there's so much we don't understand. And so at the end of the day, it it, it really comes down to uh, learning to walk by faith in a God who is faithful. In the book, you lay out the importance of first studying the various ways anxiety manifests itself before attempting to soak in the attributes and promises of God, or even before examining various methods of practically fighting against anxiety. I think it makes a lot of sense the way that you structured that, because when we are feeling these overwhelming feelings of anxiety, we just want to grab at the nearest and quickest remedy to try to make it go away as fast as possible. And perhaps we neglect to do the work really required to peel back the layers of our anxious feelings and thoughts. But in doing so, we actually stall our spiritual growth in the process. So it can be so messy to participate in the battle against anxiety. Can you expand more on this concept? Why do we first need to understand what anxiety is and how various people in the scriptures experienced it before moving on to these other stages in the process? Yeah, you know, the Lord has helped me so much to understand anxiety uh, from a biblical viewpoint. And, um, you know, we talk about anxiety so much, but but defining it, you know, is is really difficult um, because anxiety is an emotion, but it's more than that. It It often includes a physical reaction, but it's also more than that. So, hmm. you know, to try and define anxiety uh, can be a real challenge. But when you look at the words that the Bible uses when it speaks of anxiety, you find that what it's really talking about is uh, a distraction or a diversion. For example, in the New Testament, there are a couple words that are combined to basically say that anxiety means to to be drawn in different directions or to be distracted. Um, for example, in in Jesus's teaching in Mark chapter four, he identifies uh, the thorns that. Uh, refer to the cares of the world, and these cares of the world distract uh, from what is most important. And that's what anxiety does. It, it, it divides our mental energy between, you know, several things, mm-hmm. and it clouds our spiritual vision. It really tries to nail our focus only to the here and now as opposed to the future of what God has promised for us. And that's why we find so many times, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus, that classic passage where we find so much help in regard to anxiety, he commands us repeatedly to look away from the earthly cares, the horizontal vision of our lives, so to speak, to the Lord and and to the promises of the Lord, to to the fact that 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 in Christ God becomes our heavenly father 
who knows us and loves us and, and knows our needs even better than we do. And so, so anxiety tries to keep our spiritual vision, so to speak, locked in on what we can see and understand and the things that the cares of this world. And so the remedy then is, is faith. The remedy is to discipline our spiritual vision, so to speak, to refocus on that which is eternal. Earlier in the conversation, I mentioned that sometimes we're surprised by our anxiety because we feel like as Christians, we should have some kind of supernatural resistance to it. It's easy to fall into self-condemnation because we feel like we should be stronger and more capable of solving the problem of anxiety on our own. But in your book, you remind us about something we really don't like to hear, which is we are weak and limited. How does our being weak and limited affect our struggle against anxiety? Will there ever be a time in our Christian walk when we get a handle on it altogether? Hmm. You know, this this ties back into what we talked about earlier. That is that we are body and soul. We're body and spirit together always. And so we will be struggling here with the interplay of our body and spirit. And so it does help us to recognize our weakness and our limitations as human beings. Uh, in fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are referred to as being jars of clay. And, and the picture there is not these fancy, beautiful jars that we see in a museum, but these are just common vessels, common everyday use vessels with cracks and dings and all the kinds of things that that are a part of pottery that's used, you know, day in and day out. And yet, Paul says, within us dwells something of immeasurable value, which is the gospel, the treasure of the gospel. So we recognize that we have this weak, limited human frame, which actually God designed this way. You know, the psalmist, the psalmist reminds us that, that, we, are, that we are but dust, that, that we are made out of dirt. I mean, we are, uh, we are limited. And, and so we need to recognize that because otherwise we end up really leaning into self-sufficiency instead of leaning into the grace of God, uh, which is sufficient, always sufficient for whatever we go through. I think in my own personal walk with Christ and fighting against, you know, anxiety and panic attacks and whatnot, I've really learned uh, as time has passed that, you know, faith is not going to necessarily protect my heart from feeling anxious, but it does equip my heart to respond to anxiety in a fruitful way. And I think that's really the key, or at least it has been for me, is in the response. How yes. do we respond? We're not going to be able to walk around like little, you know, Fort Knoxes and we're just totally impervious to any, you know, scary thing or worrying thing. When you have anxieties, when you have worries, here's what you do with them. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, and so that has been a help, a help to me. And I feel like you really help uh, equip the reader in the book to do a similar thing, which is to respond hey, when you're feeling this way, here's what the Bible says we can do with those feelings. Well, and I think that's why it's such a such a, an, an immense help for us to mine the scriptures for ourselves, mm -hmm. to discover that the scriptures are filled with men and women who struggled with the very same things that we struggle with. 
So like you said, you mentioned Peter, you know, cast all your cares upon him. You you read the Psalms, you read the Psalms of David, the Psalms of Asaph, you read, um, there just is hardly a page of scripture that does not reveal the weakness of men and women throughout biblical history. And, and it does that to remind us that God alone is our strength. So you're right. We're not impervious to the trials that just come with living in a fallen world. However, in Christ, we can be overcomers. Well, I really appreciated it when you wrote that, quote, according to Jesus, anxiety may be a symptom of worship that has gone amiss. Will you explain what you mean by this statement and share how the gospel of Jesus Christ enables us to reorient our hearts when we discover they are askew? You know, this is something that the Holy Spirit let me discover just in a morning devotional time in Matthew 6 when I was working through uh, the passage there, there where Jesus talks about worry, which is one of the passages I return to so often, uh, because I just find that uh, this, again, like I said, you know, my heart is a work in progress here. And um, but Jesus makes a link here that we often miss because when we when we go into Matthew six and look for help and hope for worry and anxiety, we usually jump right into. Uh, where Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And then we go on and read from there all the way to, to verse 33, where it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But we we forget to back up because anytime we see the word therefore, I tell my congregation this all the time, when you see the word therefore, look backwards to see what it's there for. <laughs> um, because it's a connecting word. Yeah. It's a, because I just said this, now this. And so if you go back Jesus is actually exposing the the tendency that we have as fallen creatures. Of course, he was not. He, he's the sinless son of God. But in speaking to us, you know, he says no one can serve two masters. Our hearts are divided between God and earthly attachments. And he speaks there in that context of money or the things that money can buy. And, and so the issue here is many times – our anxiety is connected to uh, what exactly we are placing our trust in. And so this is where sometimes our anxiety is linked toward uh, what might be a deeper root of unbelief in our heart. I mean, even as believers, we can have we have remnants of unbelief in our heart. In other words, parts of our heart that are not fully trusting in the Lord yet. And so we're trusting in something else. Sure. And so that's why uh, sometimes we can be guilty of worship that has gone askew because our hearts were created to be fully, singularly devoted to God. But when sin entered into the picture, mm-hmm. our hearts became double-minded, so to speak. And we, so we struggle. We, we struggle to worship God fully. And, and that has helped me so much because it reminds me that Jesus came not only to save me from my sin so that I could live with God forever in eternity, but he came to save me from sin and to sanctify my heart, to transform me, to become a different person. And so this is where 
the gospel gives me so much hope because, you know, because it's the gospel that is changing me. It, it is the Lord, the Holy Spirit, using the word of God to reorient my heart, which is naturally going astray and going away from God. It reorients my heart toward God. Um, and that's why I, lo I love what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, where he describes us as believers as those who are being renewed into the image of the one. And in the, the image of the one, there is the image of Christ. And so it's uh, just so encouraging to know that, that the Lord is continuing the work that he began in us at the moment of conversion. Absolutely. It is, yeah, that idea of we're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Yes. And so sometimes I think when, especially with anxiety or depression, things of that nature, we can get really impatient about how slowly our hearts may be changing or how slowly we are training ourselves, you know, to respond to these various troubles in more God-honoring ways. Mm -hmm. But I think it really does help to look through the lens of the gospel to see that, you know, God is helping us. And that these things take a lifetime sometimes. A year from now, you know, praise God if I can look back and say, hey, you know, I used to be really anxious in these situations. But now I can see that I'm thinking of Christ when uncertainty hits. And I'm trusting that God has provided before he will provide mm -hmm. again. And it's yeah. because God has proven himself faithful time and time again over these next, you know, these last 12 months. So I can trust him for these next 12 months. And, yes, you know, it's just yes. um, allowing ourselves a little bit of grace, too, that we, we, we're not demanded to be perfect right the second <laughs> you know the problems don't need to be fixed right the second it's a training in righteousness which takes time yes there is a day coming <laughs> right exactly there, there's a day coming in which we will be perfect because yes. we'll be like him when we see him but in the meantime yeah we need a whole lot of grace yeah exactly well speaking of grace some people who have battled against really crippling anxiety in their lives would admit that they have been harshly treated by what we like to call on the program harmful helpers who have been unkind and offering their advice and opinions about the matter. It can actually become so traumatic for them, especially if the experience was within the context of the local church, that yes. they are tempted to believe that God also views their struggles just as harshly. Now, this is one of the reasons why I love your devotional, because it takes strugglers by the arm and guides them onto the lap of our Father in heaven, who who, I love this quote from Spurgeon. So our father in heaven, mm -hmm. whose thoughts towards his people are always thoughts of peace. Hmm. Now, obviously, there are many ways the character of God offers us comfort in times of anxiety. But would you share two or three of your favorite, particularly ones that have consoled you and comforted you personally when anxiety has hit? Yeah, as I already mentioned, you know, the Matthew 6 passage is huge for me. It's the largest passage in the New Testament dealing with the subject of anxiety. And um, and Jesus is so incredibly helpful there in, in what he commands and what he also just nurtures into our soul as far as truths about the Heavenly Father. So that would definitely be one. It's one of the passages that I return to frequently. But I've also been so helped by a wonderful connection uh, by connecting Psalm 23 with uh, John 10. 
So Psalm 23, of course, is famous. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So as David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And when I realize that and when I meditate on that, then I realize that I have, I really have everything that I need. But when you come into the New Testament and then you find Jesus saying in John 10, I am the good shepherd, you realize, well, okay, well, this is the same God. <laughs> so, uh, so the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23 is then fleshed out literally in the life of Christ as the good shepherd. And so what that does for me is it causes me to meditate on Christ and to realize that Jesus is our empathetic high priest. He is compassionate, he's sympathetic, he's understanding. This is one of the reasons why I, I frequently will, will even teach uh, to my congregation about the priestly, the ongoing priestly work of Jesus for us. He's, he's right now interceding for us. Because we tend to remember the work that Jesus has already done for us on the cross for our sin, which is huge. It's, it's massive. We, we cannot be saved uh, apart from the atoning work of Jesus Christ. But we often forget that he is right now seated at the right hand of God interceding for us as our compassionate high priest. It helps us in a couple different ways. First, it helps us to not want to, we don't want to become a harmful helper when we realize Jesus isn't that way. Jesus is understanding, compassionate, empathetic. And so that means that right. uh, there's really never a place for me to be harsh uh, and unhelpful toward fellow strugglers in, in whatever area. And, you know, obviously today we're talking about the area of, of anxiety. But, but it's also just so incredibly helpful to know that Jesus has laid down his life for me. Uh, he promises there in John 10 that he will never leave me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He will never abandon me. Uh, you know, we will have throughout our lifetime, we'll have people who abandon us. But Jesus never will. And, and he is, I like to say it this way, that God is more committed to me as his child then I am committed to him. And that's because he purchased me. Jesus gave his very life, blood, to purchase me. And the Father has adopted me. And, and to know that Jesus is not only my Savior from my sin, but he is also my good shepherd who walks with me through every valley of struggle that I experience. I think another tender topic in relation to anxiety comes up on the day in the devotional that you write about choosing to rejoice. And perhaps some of us hear that popular text and we receive it with a quick roll of the eyes and a grumbling mm -hmm. spirit <laughs> as if it's impossible to choose to rejoice in the Lord at all times because life for many people is really, really hard. What about this call from Philippians 4 seems so challenging to people who struggle with anxiety? And is this a command that takes time and training from the Holy Spirit to fulfill? Yeah, I think I'll answer those questions backwards, you know, the, the latter one first, because yes, it does take time. <laughs> um, rejoicing is a learned habit. It's part of the new man that we have to put on. Um, you know, we have to actively put off complaining. I mean, complaining comes very naturally to us. We don't have to work at complaining. We have to work, you know, at putting on gratitude. 
Um, and that, and all of that is connected to our level of contentment in Christ, which I find interesting that uh, the Apostle Paul even admits that later in the very same chapter, after he tells us to rejoice in the Lord, after he tells us to, to bring all of our anxieties to God in prayer and, and to be thankful and the peace of God will, will you know, guard our hearts. He goes on not many verses later to say uh, that he himself has had to learn contentment. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then this classic verse that we hear so often. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The context of that incredible statement in, for, in, in Philippians 4.13 is contentment. And, and so what that does for me is it, it helps me to see that contentment is a learned process. Rejoicing, being thankful is all connected to that. But in Christ, I can do all things. In other words, in Christ, I can learn to be content. I can learn to be at peace with not only you know, God's will and what God is doing, but I can learn to be at peace even with my own circumstances. Why? Because I can do it all through him who strengthens me. I'm not alone in this. You know, the Holy Spirit is training me <laughs> to to become, you know, a more peaceful, faith-filled follower of Christ. And that really has been a truth that has encouraged me. I remember a pastor preaching on that passage, and he just pointed out that when Paul wrote that statement that he had learned the secret of being content in every situation, you know, I think it was something like 25 years or so after he had had an encounter with Christ, you know, so just to, to, to here I am a new believer sitting in the pew. And I'm like, well, I've only been, you know, here a few years with Christ. So maybe I need to give it a couple more decades mm. until I start measuring my, <laughs> my fruitfulness yeah, and my success yeah. in this area. But even eight years later, I can look back and, and see how, yeah, God has trained me. And a lot of times the discipline was not pleasant, but I do feel like I respond very, very differently. And so, again, mm -hmm. just coming back to realizing that these things, you know, are not always instant and that they take time and training, I think is so important. Yeah. And, and I think your testimony just is further evidence of how long-suffering and patient God is with us. And therefore, we should be patient with others, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the devotionals in the book constantly point to our need for peace with and from God. You write, quote, if you are not at peace with God, you will never be able to experience the peace of God. Can you elaborate on that statement? What does this conclusion mean for the listener who is struggling with anxiety, but perhaps not a follower of Christ? And then what does it mean alternatively for the follower of Christ who is listening? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing that we are at peace with God, that is, you know, that we are in a right relationship with him, that we are forgiven, that we are cleansed of our guilt and our guilty conscience really is the root uh, from which the tree of experiential peace grows, if I can say it that way. In other words, mm -hmm. we are born into this world as sinners and the Bible says we are we are at enmity with God. We are at war with God. 
we naturally love sin more than we love God. And so there is a, a, a severed relationship that needs to be healed. And that is why God sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus, to bridge that gap, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves, which is to pay the price that God demands for sin, uh, which is death, the death of a perfect sacrifice. And so Jesus has done that. And so when we turn from our sin, the Bible calls that repentance, when we turn from our sin and we believe in Jesus as the Savior that we need, as the Lord who has the right to rule our lives, we are then made to be at peace with God. So in other words, we go from being at war with God to being at peace with God. Then from that, what we might call a positional peace with God, grows an experiential peace, which the Bible speaks of as the peace of God, which is that inner calm sense that the Lord is for us in Christ and he's not against us. Um, so to the listener who does not know Jesus Christ in relationship as Savior and Lord, I would encourage you to run to him today. You know, Jesus says in, in Matthew 11, and I can even imagine him just saying this with his arms open wide, come to me, he says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The burden that he's talking about in that context is the sin burden. And when we don't know Christ, I mean, I can remember back before, you know, my conversion at the age of 19, uh, I labored and I was heavy laden and, and the, my guilty conscience and my sinful lifestyle uh, just weighed really heavily on me. But when the Lord opened my eyes and showed me that I needed the Lord Jesus, then he took that yoke from me, you know, he, he lifted that burden from me. And so that is what I would say to the listener who does not know Jesus. Just run to him today. Take your sin to him, take your guilty conscience to him, and confess how much you need him to forgive you and to save you. But to the listener who already knows that they're saved by the grace of God in Christ, I would say never get tired of meditating on the love of God in Christ. I mean, never, never stop pondering the depth of the grace of God that it took, that God took the initiative to reach into your messy heart and your sinful life and save you, forgive you, make you a new creature in Christ. I mean, I find in relation to that, I find chapters five through eight of Romans an incredibly powerful weapon against the relentless anxiety that tries to take over my heart. I run to those chapters so frequently um, because it just lifts up the love and the grace of God for me in, in amazing ways. I mean, it starts with, with this amazing statement of truth, and then it ends with a breathtaking description of the security that we find in the love of God. It starts in chapter 5. So, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
Through our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what an incredible statement. We already have peace with God through Christ. And then at the end of chapter 8 is that incredible statement where the apostle says, uh, what then shall we say if God is for us, who can be against us? And he says, you know, that he is sure that there's nothing that will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ. So to the believer, I would say those chapters in Romans, those were written to believers, which means then that as a Christian, you and I need to go back to those glorious truths and remind ourselves of just how much God loves us in Christ. Speaking of those glorious truths, you encourage readers to kill worry with daggers of truth, writing, quote, In order to conquer anxiety, you must learn to consistently slay the lies that your depraved heart believes. Replace worldly conclusions with biblical truth. What do our listeners need to know about engaging anxiety on the spiritual battlefield? Can you share some of the scriptures that have been most helpful to you as you've traveled through seasons of intense anxiety? Yeah, as I mentioned, you know, earlier, um, the Matthew 6, the John 10, um, but I, I find myself going to the Psalms so frequently because of the emotional honesty that I find there, and I feel less alone. I feel like uh, less, less of thinking, oh, I'm the only one who struggles with this kind of thing. What I do is I work through the Psalms in a way that internalizes them. In other words, uh, so, so I would say I would say this: Don't just read the words. Pause, meditate on them, journal about them. Ask yourself the question: You know, what do these verses say about God? Are there are there promises that that I can claim as my own? And then another discipline I have found so so helpful is then to pray that passage of scripture back to God. Um, and one of my favorites has become Psalm thirty-seven which I would just really encourage the, the listener to spend some time in Psalm 37, because three times David talks back to his anxious heart. Three times he says, fret not yourself. He talks to himself. He says, stop worrying, stop fretting. But then he, he doesn't just say that. He doesn't just say stop worrying, but he goes on to demonstrate how he fights anxiety by uh, reminding himself of the character of God and, you know, why God is trustworthy. So that is an incredibly helpful psalm to me. Well, I'm going to go ahead. We've got time for one more question. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to do something that I ask every guest on the show to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be someone listening to this episode who is an anxious Christian. Maybe they have tried to get a grip on their overwhelming fear, worry, and anxiety, but haven't really made much progress in the fight. Perhaps they've been hurt by poor counsel or advice, and now they're starting to believe they're always going to struggle in these ways. What would you say to this person to give them the courage they need to take heart, to lean on to grace, and to believe God's peace is available for their anxieties? Well, first, I, I would say, listener, um, I understand your struggle. Uh, it's real. <clears throat> I'm there with you. Um, there are days in which I feel like I've overcome anxiety, and then the next day I realize uh, I have so, so far to go. But I would say to you that even though your struggle is real, what is more real is God's love for you and his promise to be with you. 
And so you need to realize that overcoming anxiety is not a one-time event. It takes developing new ways of thinking. Uh, it takes time. It takes discipline. Uh, so I guess let, let me just encourage you to discipline yourself in three areas and basically say, say to yourself, this is a commitment I need to make from now until the end of my life. This is, this is where I'm at. First, listen to the Lord. And, and you do this by feeding your anxious heart with the words of God in Scripture. You know, prayer is, is, is us talking to God. The Scriptures uh, is God talking to us. So renew your mind with biblical truth so that you can combat the lies that your anxious heart keeps telling you. Okay, so that's the first thing. First discipline, listen to the Lord and just just determine that you are going to become a believer who feeds on the Word of God uh, as your daily bread, so to speak, as Jesus called it. Secondly, discipline yourself to take your every care to the Lord in prayer. You know, as we already mentioned from from First Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. What a wonderful promise that is. First, it's an exhortation. Cast your cares on God. Why? Because he cares for you. So learn to take your cares to the Lord in prayer. But then thirdly, seek out a Christian friend to pray with, uh, perhaps weekly, perhaps monthly. Perhaps you would want to work through this devotional together with another person. But the point here is that we're not equipped to go to battle against our struggles alone. We're not intended to. God, God that's, that's why the genius of God's design in the church is, is seen in the fact that we, we are not independent, but we are to be interdependent. So find a fellow struggler, you know, find a, another man or woman in the church who also is honest to admit that they struggle with anxiety and just get together and share scriptures with each other that have been helpful to you and then pray for each other, pray with each other. And you will find that progressively the Lord will cause you to know his peace in your heart and in your life. Well, thank you so much for sharing those encouragements. I would just say yes and amen to that last statement that progressively God will show you. I think you're writing this book as a testimony to that. I know I've experienced that in my life, and I'm sure that the people listening have to one degree or another seen that in their life before, but perhaps it's this kind of a little bit cloudy and, and muddy because of the anxiety. Mm, um, it's yeah. easy when we get into those anxious areas, we, we tend to forget God has done, you know, great and wonderful things for us, uh, not only through our salvation, but in our own lives in a very intimate and personal way. It's the really neat thing about Jesus Christ as Savior is he's not just a God who's distant, he is with us. Amen. Now, Paul, if somebody listening wants to get connected to you and your ministry, where can they find you online? Yes, I've been I've been blogging for almost ten years at www.counselingoneanother.com. So if you just type in counselingoneanother.com, and and basically what I do there is I share uh, many of the things that the Lord is teaching me. It's somewhat of a public journal in some ways. <laughs> uh, it's also a place where I just let people know what new resources are out there uh, in regard to. Um, just helping them to grow in the grace and truth of Christ. And so you can find uh, all of my books and mini books um, at that site as well. You'll find just thousands of, of free resources there that will encourage your growth in Christ. 
That is, sounds tremendous. I think I need to go spend a few hours poking around <laughs> <laughs> over there. Um, well, very good. I will be sure to link to that web page in the show notes. So if you're listening and you say, I have got to have some more Paul right now. I need to go read his stuff. If you're so excited about it, I'm excited for you. You can scroll down to the show notes and click on the link in the show notes, and that will take you to the show page where you can access um, his website and also information on his brand new book, Anxiety, Knowing God's Peace which is available now, I would strongly suggest um, that you purchase a copy for yourself, buy one, get one for a friend. There are fantastic prompts at the end of each devotional day that really help to get you to practice the discipline of being in God's Word and reflecting and meditating on it, as Paul has mentioned. Um, so I just, I can't, I can't recommend it highly enough. So Paul, again, thank you so much for taking time to join us to talk about the book and just to encourage and equip the listeners in their battle against anxiety. I know I have been blessed by our conversation, and I'm sure the audience has been as well. Oh, you're welcome, Christine. Thanks so much. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a joy to be with you. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode, complete with links to Paul's new book and other helpful resources of his. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you left a review for the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. One more thing, if you're looking for gospel hope and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on Hope and Help Project.